continue with what we've been talking about, being a church, doing what Jesus does. Um, how about if we open up and just pray and ask the Lord to, to speak to us as we look at his word? Would that be okay? So, Father, we do thank you. Jesus, we thank you uh, that you are here right now. We welcome you. We honor you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that we have the privilege of hearing from Jesus, the voice of heaven this morning. We pray as we look at your word that you would cause us to hear what you are saying. And Lord, we thank you that everything that you say brings life and it brings liberty. So Holy Spirit, work together with the word of God this morning and bring life and bring liberty to every person in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so church doing what Jesus is doing. Um, if you would look with me, we're going to look at a lot of scriptures, so many that I've actually prepared some slides that we're going to have up here. So if you can't like follow along, you'll at least be able to read along on the wall. So, but if you will look with me to 1 John chapter 1, and um, we just want to open up here. And so John is an apostle, and he wrote several epistles, as they call them, letters to Christians, and in some cases, and in this case, an actual local church. And um, in the third verse of this first chapter, 1 John 1 verse 3, John gives us a thesis statement for why he wrote this letter. So this is like why he wrote all five chapters. It all boils down to this one sentence right here. He's writing it for this person. It says, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship. Say fellowship. Fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. The whole point of this epistle that he writes is he wants to cause us to be able to have fellowship between ourselves and with, at that time, he was talking to an actual local church with whom he had a relationship, and he wanted to actually have fellowship with them. Now, in modern time, we oftentimes talk about fellowship as like Christians hanging out. That's our idea of fellowship. That's what it means. It's like, it's like a byword in, in, in Christianity. It's not really keeping with the original biblical idea of this word. It's, as Americans, we call it koinonia. It actually would be pronounced differently in the original Greek, but we don't care, do we? Okay. So the idea is actually, you could say, close to this English word fellowship, which is fellows occupying a ship together. So if you can imagine like a, a sailboat, a small ditty out in the sea, and there are two fellows, let's say, in a ship, they're not just like casually spending time with one another, they're sharing resource together. They're like sharing survival together, right? They're... They're, uh, they are in this thing together, and uh, if the ship is like going down, they have to work together. They are like becoming one by virtue of being in this ship together. Fellowship. That is the original idea of this word koinonia, of fellowship. It's together. Now, I want to ask us as we get into this, because this is what John is getting at. I'm writing this letter that you would have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the deity, the Godhead. So the idea is, is that God the Father, in fact, if I could say that again, truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Father and Son are both family terms, right? So he's, he's alluding to this idea that the Godhead, if anything, they are family. They're, they're together. It's not just like 
we kind of belong to a club together. There is an intimacy with the Godhead, with heaven, that far transcends any of that. And the idea of what the church is originally supposed to be is to be a reflection, a pattern on the earth of what exists in heaven. It's way more than this. I know we say it often, but I'm going to say it over and over and over. This is sitting in a chair facing me is not the full idea of fellowship and the idea of the original intent of the church. And I'm crazy enough to believe that in this church and hopefully in several churches in this awesome city, we will see a restoration of the true idea of what church was originally supposed to be, fellowship. And that fellowship, he says, truly our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ, meaning that there is a spiritual union that we have by putting our faith in Jesus that we become connected into this family and we experience an intimacy. How many of you have experienced something of intimacy, love, the Holy Spirit, something of relationship with God through Jesus? It transformed my life at the age of 17. I entered into a dimension of fellowship that I, I can access at any time and that that thing that I have with him it, it, I, I carry something in my heart, and then when I talk to Mickey, there's something in him and his relationship with God. I'm sharing out of my relationship, and it resonates in him, and, and we're like in this thing together, and there's a spiritual dynamic that transcends the fact that, if I can say it, Mickey is a good deal older than me. He's not from, he's not from where I'm from, and he's never lived you know, in South Africa like I have or in other nations, and, and he's of a different, you know, despite all those natural differences, we have a unity and, a, and an intimacy, can I say, that, that transcends all of that, that's fellowship. And it's not just spiritual, it becomes practical and natural. We, I, there's a care and a love that we have for one another because of our fellowship with him that begins to model something of heaven on earth, and that is what the world needs to see in the church. So, why are we about to say the things that we're about to say? Because we want you and me to have everything that we need. And part of it happens in the context of church. Can I, can I step on some toes for a second in society? Not that I want to step on toes, but there is a thing that's like, I love Jesus, I'm just not sure about the church. Guys, the church is the body of Christ. You can't love him and not him. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? And if we can get back to the intention of Jesus, of building his church. So why are we saying this? So that you and I have what we need, but also so that the body has what it needs. So I'm hoping to bolster our understanding, our biblical understanding of this thing of church. Um, so let's get into it. There are a whole bunch of what some of us call one another's in the New Testament. Say one another. And that is places in the New Testament where it gives us instruction of to do something one to another. And the reality is, if you go all the way through, you begin to realize you can't do all these one another's unless we are together. Unless we're in a ship, can I say. Unless we have fellowship and we actually get into this thing. Now, now you do it, you, you get into the ship called church because of Jesus. Let me make that clear. Like, as in, I'm not getting in the ship because of Tamora. 
to get into this ship with her, and now we're like yoked together, and like, you know, if she starts like bringing our little, our little sailing boat down, it's like I'm going to go down, you know, and I'm not just doing it for her. I do it because she has placed her faith inside of the king of kings, and I have too, and I, we already are connected and one spiritually. Does that make sense? There is spiritual DNA in me that is the exact same as tomorrow. We're one, we're family. Our fellowship here on this earth is just stepping in by faith to what already exists in the spirit realm. Am I making sense? Good. So let's look at these one another's. The first one, and if we can pop that up there, is to love and prefer each other. There's about seven of them, and we're just going to look quickly, and I just want to make this a refresher of what, if we want to be a church doing what Jesus does, let's look at a refresher of what Jesus' word says about what we're to be doing together. And one is to be loving and preferring each other. As you can see up there on the wall, Romans 12.10, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. So be kindly affectionate to one another and giving preference to one another. And I just want to kind of say the obvious. I'll be saying the obvious a lot this morning. Uh, to really be kindly affectionate and to even prefer one another, I just want to ask the question, is it really possible to walk that out on a Sunday morning? Like only. I mean, I can be like cordial. I can, we can have coffee. We're going to have coffee later on. I can, I can be court. I can say hi to Samantha, wherever she went. <laughs> the one person that I mentioned is gone. <laughs> how, about, how about her mom? I can, I can say hi to Renee. We can be cordial, but like, how much can I really prefer her, right? Like, I can like step out of the way and let her get coffee first. Do you, is that fulfilling the biblical mandate here? The, the whole concept of what we're talking about is the idea that these people, this church in Rome, they were doing life together. They were living in community together. This thing went deep. This was more than just kind of like superficial, we're in the same club. We're doing life together. This is the idea of church. In fact, if you look at Jesus' ministry, he didn't have kind of like the Jesus club. You know, you could sign up and pay $3 and you're in the Jesus club and it'll give you the mailing list and, and we'll keep you updated on, by email or, or whatever. These people followed Jesus and they ate together and they, they smelled bad in the sweat of the heat of the Israeli sun together. And they, do you follow what I'm saying? Like real life. Be kindly affectionate one to another and prefer one another. And so she's not here right now, but uh, Maria, who uh, is not feeling well this morning, you know, she just, she, she gives Lyft rides. She rides for Lyft and maybe Uber too, I don't know. She's the ride share, both, usually they do. And so she actually loves to do that as a service. And so she offered, began offering in, for this church, she had it in her heart, she wanted to provide rides to people who otherwise may not have a car or may not easily be able to get here. That's like body, right? That's ship. It's being in the ship together. That's saying it's not just that I can get to church because I've got resources and you don't, and I just kind of let that be the case. I'm going to take what I have, and not out of compulsion. She had it in her heart because she enjoys doing it and started doing it. You follow what I'm saying? It's preferring one another. Let's move on. Receive one another. Romans 15.5 says, says this. 
Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and with one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, receive one another. Say, receive one another. Thank you for saying it like I did. I like that intonation tomorrow. She's like, she received one another. Yeah. Just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. So I grew up, some of you know, I grew up in the suburbs of North Atlanta. Middle class, predominantly white world. We had a racially integrated high school, which meant it was like 95% white, 5% something else. It was, so like that's my background. I go down, and it's like, it's like suburban, you know what I mean? It's white picket fence. That's what I grew up around. Then I go down to college in, in Georgia Southern University in Statesboro, Georgia, right? Uh, okay, I'm mocking people now. This is bad. I'm, I'm like a pastor, and I'm mocking people. But, but that's like the, <laughs> that's the, that's the, uh, the thing. I stepped into Toto. We're not in Kansas anymore. It was like so culturally different. And, um, and I was the odd one out. And so we, I, get in, I get, become a Christian. I get involved in this campus ministry. And I'm with people like different. You've got a lot of people who grew up in farms or in very rural areas. You've got deep southern accents. And you've got like racial, like a whole mix. And it was a beautiful thing, but it was a socially awkward thing. Now, just be real. Like we wouldn't naturally be friends. And I learned in the context, as I'm following passionately Jesus, and he sets me into this campus ministry, and it becomes like a spiritual home to me, and I'm having to find relationship with people who my friends, before I became a Christian back in high school, they would have never, we never would have accepted these people. Do you know what I'm saying? Like some some of the people, like socially awkward people. (laughs) And like I'm hanging out with them, like not cool people is what I'm saying, you know? And, uh, and I just learned this whole other thing in the context of church, receive one another. And I want to ask us this morning that there's a, though there's a paradox in the kingdom of heaven, and here it is, it is totally cool if we primarily connect with people where there's natural common bonds. Like God will actually use that. Does that make sense? Like the fact that Michael, let's say, if I can pick on you, Michael works in one campus Martius, and so he's around like that kind of an environment. It is totally cool if Michael feels most affinity, most natural ease with people who are similar to him. It's not like evil. But the beauty in the kingdom of heaven is that he still wants to connect us to people who aren't like us and to receive one another, open, be broadened. Don't be small. It's very small to only affiliate yourself with other people who look and talk and think like you. To open yourself up big and to receive one another. Um, So yeah, let's just say that. (laughs) Open up your heart, receive the people around you. Though it's fine if you're not best friends with everybody, to have your heart expanded to where you receive and love and are open to give at any point to somebody who's not like you. Thirdly, be affectionate. I like this one. You ready? You ready, gentlemen? This will be nice, good, and awkward. I like it. Romans 16, 16. I'll just read these three verses quickly. Greet one another with a holy kiss. 
All the churches of Christ send greetings. That's Paul ending off his letter to the Romans. Then he ends off his first letter to the Corinthians. Uh, All the brothers and sisters here send greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. And then he ends his, uh, or near the end of his second letter to the Corinthians, uh, verse 12 of chapter 13, greet one another with a holy kiss. So just a couple thoughts that I want to share on this, being affectionate. First of all, all the churches of Christ send greetings. And I know it's so, it's, you can easily pass by this. All the churches, he is suggesting that in other areas, there are these things called churches. The idea is that there are local churches, and implicit to that is that people are gathering together and affiliate themselves. They're regularly doing life together. They're not just spread apart, everybody doing this thing, and there's Christians in this city called Galatia. They are a church. Does that make sense? There are churches, local churches. The body of Christ is made up of churches which requires that there be people who have faith in Jesus who bind themselves together and are become a local church. So all the churches greet you. And so he's sending this letter to another local church, in this case being Rome and also in Corinth. And he's telling them to greet each other and to express affection. Now, again, it seems like so stating the obvious, but can I greet you if I don't get together with you? As simple as that is, you follow what I'm saying? It is impossible for me to greet you if we don't have times that we get together. It's underscoring not the duty and law of being together as a church, but the obviousness of the need for that. That's why Hebrews 10.25 says, don't forsake the regular assembling together as has become in the habit of some, but through love provoke one another to do good works. So greeting each other, expressing affection, we've got to be together, but I would also just throw in there, um, you know, take it, take it as it's worth, there is a suggestion from Paul to the churches of caring about basic social skills. How many of you know social skills matter? (laughs) They matter in the church. They matter in our relationship to those outside the church big time. And so greet people. (laughs) Smile at them. There's something about expressions of love when I don't ignore you, but I look at you and I say hello. And uh, let me put everyone at ease. We don't have to kiss each other. He says a holy kiss to suggest this isn't romantic. It's like pure, you know, we're not like whatever. But that's a cultural thing. When we were in South Africa, oftentimes when you you would greet, when I would greet a female, she would lean in expecting for me to kiss her. And I would be like, no. And like eight years after living in South Africa, I still did the same thing. Couldn't get over that hurdle. (laughs) Yeah, it's like too awkward. So it's totally cultural. We don't have to kiss each other. What Paul is saying, and the point is, we need to not only greet each other, we need to express affection. I want you to catch that. It's not just saying, hey, there's something about taking even the small investment of expressing affection to a person. It's like conveying upon them, maybe it's not the best word, but, but recognizing value on that person. I'm going to give you a hug. I'm going to say something that I 
you're, you're important to me, is really what, what, we're, what we're getting down to. That's body life. Can we start doing that? Not as some like weird rule, like, you know, but just like love people. And you can't love them without like saying hi and recognizing and expressing affection. That's important. It helps, it helps get the, 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 the social juices flowing in the community. Let's go on to the next one. Serve one another. Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. That's important. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. There is a reality that because of the work that Jesus did on the cross, he had sin nailed he became sin and became nailed to the cross. In, a, in, in Colossians, Paul says that all of the commandments and the ordinances and the requirements of God were nailed to him so that you and I, as we place our faith in Jesus, become free from all the ordinances and the requirements in the law. You and I are free. There is no law that you have to walk in, no system of do's and don'ts in order to bring pleasure to Jesus or to God. You know how to bring pleasure to God? Believe his son. That's it. Follow the son. That's it. So we're free. And in understanding that, some have come to the point of saying, you know what? There's nothing that says I have to go to church to love Jesus. You know, I'm free. I I don't have to go to church. And if you're looking at it as a system of do's and don'ts, and on the don't side is don't go to church, and on the do side is do go to church, so you go to church and don't don't go to church, just be free. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, just be free. However, the voice of freedom would say, "I, I, I don't have to go to church to love Jesus. But he says, don't use your freedom as a case or how does he say it, to, as a uh, freedom to indulge the flesh. But through love, serve one another. So freedom would say, I don't have to be in church to love Jesus. Love would say, I am in church. I'm in this ship, having fellowship. I am in this ship because I love Jesus and because I want to love and serve his body. That's it. Can we get back to that? This isn't about being a good Christian, going to church on Sunday, going to community groups so I can tick the... It's having a vision of what Jesus sees for his church and recognizing that unless we do these things, that vision will never fully come to pass. We actually have to see what he sees and love what he loves and be motivated to do what he does. And a big part of what he does is about his own body. How many of you know that my physical body is working to take care of itself right now? My kidneys are pumping. I don't know what they're, they're pumping. Do kidneys pump? I don't know. They're, they're working. They're, they're purifying. They're doing their stuff right now, right? They're purifying. My heart pumps. My kidneys, I don't know, squeeze or something. I don't, who knows? They filter. Exactly. My, my kidneys right now are working in my body to do a function that's going to ultimately have a spillover effect on the rest of my body. My heart's doing the same thing. My brain's doing something. My lungs are doing something, et cetera, et cetera. That, it's a body. And when the Bible says the body of Christ, that's not like some cute word. That is literal. We are a body. Each of us have different parts, and we got to function together. And I don't exist for myself. So you can say, look at me. Aren't I a good pastor? Half of you are like, no. (laughs) 
you know what I'm saying? We, I exist for your benefit. You exist for one another's benefit. That's how, and we exist for the benefit of the nations and the city in particular. So let's, let's do that. Cool. Freedom. So this may be some examples of, of serving in our community group. Uh, and by the way, let me just as, a, as an aside, we've got two community groups. And this is maybe a huge part of practical reality fleshing out what we're talking about this morning. The reality is this, though contrary to our experience over and over, we've thought of church as being, you say, what church do you go to? What does that even mean? Where's your church? Right here. And right there, and right there. Church is people. And we're a part of a local church. And uh, so to kind of put something practically in place to make sure we don't just become a Sunday entity that meets in a building, we have these things called community groups to facilitate the reality, the necessary reality of what we're talking about. Community groups meet during the week, usually in homes. We've got one that meets up in Pleasant Ridge, uh, led by Kurt and Anna Opal. They're not here this morning. Uh, they, they're going to start meeting after this deep and wide that Minda uh, referenced. Uh, so after... Um, the caters come. We'll be relaunching community groups. They meet. They will be meeting the first and third uh, Friday of every month. And, uh, and then we've got another community group that meets here in Detroit. Historically, that has been in our house. It'll be the first and third Thursday. We'll also have corporate prayer uh, for, as the whole church once a month. But uh, we'll, we'll be meeting in our house. We'll be meeting probably on the Detroit River having picnics. We'll probably be going out and having fun. We're sometimes not even going to open up a Bible. <gasps> We're just going to get together and like hang, which is something that Christians oftentimes don't know what to do. It's like, who's going to open in prayer? We're just hanging. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, we need to do life together. And so that's coming, and I'm just saying, like, to practically do what we're talking about this morning, that is so important. I'm asking everyone who feels Border City Church is their home, be a part of that journey. Not out of compulsion, out of a vision. And hopefully we're seeing some of that vision as we speak. So, um, yeah, in our last community group, just some examples of serving one another. There were prophetic, the prophetic ministry, the idea that the Holy Spirit still speaks through his body. And we had moments where Tamora shared prophetic things that were incredibly encouraging. Even to Deborah, who's maybe not here this morning, but lives with us and is a part of that group. And so there's prophecy, there's praying for one another about our needs, there's just encouragement, maybe somebody having something to, to, to encourage another person that really lifts them during the week. Um, many of you know that Tamora, out of things that were outside of her control, she had a car accident that inhibited her ability to generate income as she should, and the net result of that was she almost lost her house. There are people, a large group of people in this church who rallied together uh, with her to start to like re-renovate that house to where she is now not losing that house, living in it, and ultimately she's going to have equity, she's going to have um, something of pride of ownership, and she's going to start uh, operating her business out of the basement of that house. Awesome. Serving one another. That's like kingdom, right? That's church. My wife, Minda here, regularly checking up on people all the time, texting, calling people, aware of all the people and the situations in their lives. That's serving people. Let's do these things, right? Let's go on to the next one. We're almost done. You still there? Yep. 
You good? Some of you young people good? I know I'm not like as exciting as your youth group <laughs> as usual. <laughs> She's like, no, but go on anyway. Oh, okay. No, you are. Thank you for that birthday present. <laughs> Carry each other's lies. I love this one. Galatians 6.2 and Colossians 3.13. Carry each other's burdens. So important. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And then Paul says in Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. But that carry each other's burdens. And just to be clear, that very same passage of Scripture distinguishes between load and burden. And I know I'm asking you to say a lot, but say it with me. Load and burden. I just want to register these two words. Load refers to the things that all of us need to be carrying ourselves. It is not right if I'm responsible to take care of my family and I'm being slack on the job, I'm not taking care of my family, and Michael starts doing what I should do. Or if Minda starts doing what I should be doing in my responsibility towards my family. It's not right. That's my load. I need to be carrying that. However, burden is something that happens that's outside of her control, like Tamora. She had a car accident. It wasn't her fault. She, it it, it, it uh, injured her body. That's a burden. And now she can't do work like she should. She's not able to generate income like she should. That's a burden. Carry one another's burdens. Not the load. You carry somebody else's load, and you're actually enabling them to an irresponsible livelihood. You're not helping them at all. But you carry one another's burdens, and you fulfill the law of Christ. And so let me ask you something. What needs in the church body require my involvement? Ask yourself that question. What needs are there? In the church, burdens that require, that actually I have resource. God, I am Jesus' answer to the problem. Let me ask you a second question. Are we in, are we positioned to even know? How can we be positioned? You want to know? Relationship, community, time together. But I went to that community group and like I didn't, nothing changed my life. Is it all about you? Is it all about what you get? Not every time in community group or in Sunday or whatever is going to be some total epiphany. It's, as we say in South Africa, it's time at the crease. It's a cricket term. It's staying there. Staying there. It's like railroad tracks. Keep the course. You reach the destination by keeping the course. Being together. Hold each other accountable. We're almost done. I swear it. You know what, you know what, uh, what it means when a preacher says it's almost done? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I learned that years ago. Hold each other accountable. Romans 15, 14. Let's read that real quick. Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brothers, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Paul, in this apostolic wisdom that Jesus gave him of understanding the pattern and design of God for the church, he knew that part of God's design for the church was that Christians, one to another, in the context of local church, would have the ability to admonish one another. Say admonish. Some of you don't know what admonish means. That's okay. I also had to refresh myself. It means basically to uh, gently reprimand. 
to remind or put in mind uh, somebody of, of something that they need. How many of you ever had somebody who's a Christian lovingly, humbly, not arrogantly and telling you what you need to hear, but lovingly bring to your attention something that you needed to see that actually helped you? I've had it so many times. I love it. Maybe it stings sometimes. Maybe you feel ashamed, like I'm what an idiot I am. I love having relationship with people who love me enough to tell me what would be helpful for me to hear. And Paul is saying that I believe, I'm confident concerning you. Would an apostolic voice relating to this church be able to tell us he's confident concerning us that we're full of goodness, full, full of knowledge, and able to admonish one another? So lean into that sense of responsibility towards your brothers and sisters. Please, as a side note, don't start telling everybody what you think they need to hear. That actually doesn't help. But in relationship, when that bridge of trust is formed, yeah. do you know what I'm saying? That more time that you have, the more you can sense that they trust you and they know your heart. It's like a bridge that strengthens and the heavier things can cross. And when that bridge is strong enough, then you can share things in love and in humility, things that would actually help them. Have a goal to do that. I would also just note, well, I've already said it, so let's get, continue to the, to the last one. We'll wrap it up here. Build each other, or edify, which means to, simply is a word that just means build up. Build each other. 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, comfort, eat, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. Say edify one another. Edify. edify. Build up. This is part of the biblical command for us as believers. And I just want to look at two scriptures to, to basically state this, that every member of the body of Christ has been, if you have received Jesus, and in fact, even if you haven't received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're called. You're called with a gift. How many of you know you don't need a microphone to be called or to be anointed of the Holy Spirit? For too long, church has operated as a Sunday morning entity, and we've seen the preacher as the one who's called. He's the one who kind of does the ministry. When in fact, God's design is that the whole church is called to full-time ministry, forever serving Jesus and given grace gifts to help build the church. And so having said that, Romans, I just want to read about these grace gifts. Romans 12.4. Is that up there? Awesome. For just as each of us has one body with many members, does everybody have a body here? Does, is anybody like a, 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 a plankton and like one member? You all have like many members, right? A little, little reference to SpongeBob there. Anyways, <laughs> for just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. Each member belongs to all the others. <laughs> Did you hear that? That's like the biblical idea. You and I belong to each other. I belong to you. You belong to me. That's not sick, like in a healthy way. We care about each other. We're one. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. 
If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. It's fellowship. Remember that word fellowship? My fellowship with Jesus places his desires into my heart. And the desires that I receive from my fellowship with Jesus is actually an indicator of what he's called me to do. And as I fellowship with him and I get his desires, I then act out of those desires for his church and do what I'm feeling impressed to do, and that is Jesus' body building up itself. And then we've got spiritual gifts, and we'll end here. For, uh, because there's grace gifts, and then you've got spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, also starting in verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts. Let me just explain what we're talking about here. Why is this different grace and spiritual gifts? Grace gifts is who you are. It's not, it doesn't come upon you in a moment by the Holy Spirit coming upon you. It's who you are. If I'm called as a leader, I am a leader. If I'm called to teach, it's, it's just who I am. It's a gift that I have all the time, 24-7. Spiritual gifts is that I, the gift I have there is I've got the gift of the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of me. And he may come upon me to manifest himself in various ways. He could anoint me to have a prophetic word in a moment for tomorrow. I'm not prophesying all the time. Or I could have a healing. I, he could move upon me to operate in the, the, the gift of healing in a, in a moment. You follow what I'm saying? It's not who I am. Who I am is I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he can variously use his gifts as he wills. It says that there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is for the common good. All of us have spiritual gifts, and the whole idea uh, is that they are given to us for the common good. And I just want to state the obvious again. How will my spiritual gift be for the common good if I'm not with you? You follow what I'm saying? It's not a duty. It is family. It's fellowship. It's love. It's building the thing that Jesus is building. Why don't we close in prayer? I just want to ask... Um, that we respond, and, and just as a little instruction, a little tip, is sometimes while we're looking at the Word of God, there are things that kind of speak to your heart. I encourage you to write those things down, even in moments like this. But it's important, it's kind of like if I say something to Minda that means a lot to me, and she just like continues going on and like doing what she does, like she's making some like post on Instagram or something, I'm probably not going to like feel very honored, right? Let's turn that around. If she says something to me, that would be no, better. Would yeah. <laughs> it, would, it, it, it would definitely be the other way around. <laughs> Minda has never captured, miscapturing one word that was spoken to her in the, the history of her life. Whereas her husband, she can be talking to me, and she says something important, and I'm just focused on this thing, and I don't even hear her. Um, do we need a moment of no. reconciliation? Here? Okay. So <laughs> she wouldn't feel very honored, would she? And in the same way, when you're hearing the preaching of the word of God or reading the word of God and you feel something impressed upon your heart, that is God speaking to you. And it's actually relationally important to acknowledge it. God, I hear that. 
I accept that. 